Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. My name is Alex Croson. I'm alongside the incredible, the edible Casey Clapp. Edible is so apt this month, week, season. Casey, that's Alex right. Croson. This is me, Casey Clapp. I am edible. I am indelible. I am spreadable like a butter like a butter i can't believe i'm not butter though mm, i can't believe you're not butter yeah <laughs> well you better believe it i am not i'm buttery though let me tell you <laughs> casey i don't know where that's headed um but you smooth have smooth is what it where is going <laughs> speaking of smooth <laughs> uh you got a couple of new <laughs> additions to your body art this I weekend. I do. Yes, I do. Uh, please tell us about... I I can see them. Maybe we'll put photos on the Instagram post for this episode. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, what do you got, Case? New tattoos. I got some new tattoos. I went to the also edible, indelible Sean Hebrink yeah. of Bloodroot Tattoos. Everyone should look up their stuff, look up Sean's work, and get some work from him. He is spectacular. So I added in some, uh, or a new piece to my Armoretum, which um, he's done most of the cones uh, along my arm, which I have uh, have several. Uh, If you want to get any information on that, we got a Patreon about it, don't we? Um, Anyway, I decided that uh, for many years now, I wanted to get a dogwood. It's my mother's favorite tree. And um, I was going to get an actual tree of it, but then in my experience getting tattoos, um, trees as a whole thing, are uh-huh. a lot and you can't really do good detail without getting them really big and I didn't want this one to be super big. I see. So instead I just got the native Pacific dogwood flower tattooed right on my arm to clear out the top side of my wrist. Yes. And I think it looks really nice. It does look great. I love the little leaf coming off the side of it. Thank you. It was his idea. And I was like, yep, yeah, I think it's a good move. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so I got that and I decided I didn't need only cones in my armoretum. So it is, in fact, more than just a uh, a coniferous arm now. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then on the inside of my chest, I got a, um, it's called a Gorgon image. Are Hell you familiar yeah. with this? I think we've talked about it a couple times. I sure am, Casey. I'm a big fan of uh, Greek myth. <sighs> Me too. And this is um, uh, the Gorgons. They're three sisters. The only mortal one of which is uh, classically known as Medusa, mm-hmm. and um, it is an image of like this uh, this face that um, is kind of an, uh, a gargoyle like face, with, like its tongue sticking out. Like it's probably the most hardcore tattoo I have. Yeah, and then it has like snakes coming out from the hair yeah. and uh, kind of a um, a stick wooden kind of. Um, ring almost like a wreath of of sort of twigs and sticks around it mm-hmm. which are in fact poison ivy okay because i am extremely allergic to poison ivy and poison oak <laughs> and all the other things that come along with it and um and so i kind of like that idea because it also it's a protector um so um legend has it that um athena and zeus wore this gorgon image as a pennant on their um or a pendant on their shields or on their um uh, capes when they would go into battle That's because, right. as is known, Medusa um, or these Gorgons, if you look at them, if you, you look at their, their mug, they turn you to stone. Turn to stone. So the idea is that um, as a protector kind of thing, you know, it's uh, it's uh, having this, you know, really powerful thing that, you know, would turn your enemies to stone as you go uh-huh. in. So I just like that and then it's part of, you know, the whole uh, Greek mythos, which of course you are, are big about. I like it because I just, I enjoy 
I enjoy those myths and like the creation stories and all of these like legends and like heroes and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I just think that that kind of uh, uh, not science fiction. What am I thinking? Just myth hmm. is really creative. Yeah, yeah. I like folk I, tales. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I've I have a couple books about like the Native American folk tales, and I just I love it. And the whole uh, the the I don't know. I'm just fascinated by how people like explain things because there's a lot of trees things that go along with that. You know, Ovid's Metamorphosis, just how trees became trees. You know, based on these you know old events. And Casey, speaking of explaining things, uh, congrats on your new tattoos. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, they turned out great. I especially like the Medusa one. Oh, thanks. Shucks. Uh, but speaking of explaining things, we have something to explain this week. You sure do. And that is a tree. Oh, Alex, I didn't know that's where you're going. I was <laughs> expecting something completely different. Well, Casey, we're here to talk this week about the delicious, one of my favorite fruits of all time, <laughs> the mango tree. Mango. Uh, Casey, the scientific name on this? Yes, Mangifera. Mangifera indica is the name of it. Indica? Yeah, because it's from India. Okay. And Got that, it. Yeah. It's not related to marijuana? No, but it's, it is the same thing where you have um, the colloquial, it, colloquially known as indica yeah. is actually cannabis indica, and that means that it's, it's of India. Got it. Well, Casey, let's imagine, as we do every episode, that you and I are walking through a mango grove. Oh, this is going to be so delicious. Possibly Uh, in India. Yes, very likely in India, but also could be literally anywhere. Yeah. I also Can we say Mexico? I want to go to Mexico. Yeah, I think think it grows in Mexico. I'm pretty sure. I've had it in um, Ecuador before. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Not too far from there. No, not too far. Uh, and we have we we have a big knife, and we're just pulling mangoes off the tree and That's slicing right. them there and eating them up. No. Uh, Casey, let's talk about this tree. Oh, the mango! So the mango. I've seen this tree a couple different times, but at the time I didn't pay too too much of attention to it, just because there are so many tropical species of trees that they can get a little bit sort of. I don't know, daunting if you're not, if you don't live there all the time and you kind of look out, you can kind of tell things apart. Right. We've talked about before that the tropics are like Bonkers. a madhouse yeah. of, of species. It's exactly There's right. a lot going on down there. Yeah. And so this uh, was in this little uh, kind of eco village that I was visiting and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, that's, a, and it kind of struck me, but it's the same thing as like you see something growing and your brain forgets for a second that it's from a thing, like it, it grows a tree. Right. And you're like, oh my God, is that a persimmon? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that, they, you can get those from a tree. Like that's where they grow. Yeah. And it kind of took me a moment and then they were like, yeah, that one doesn't look ripe, so don't worry about it. Because I was like, can we just eat that mango? And they're like, well, you could, but it's going to taste pretty bad. Yeah. Were there any good ones on that tree? No, we had to, we had to find <sighs> another tree. And then I think we just like threw sticks at it. Like even the, the people who I was uh, like, we were the only people at this, this place because we went in the off season oh. and so they were like just hitting it with sticks until the thing fade, fell down and then it just tasted terrible oh no but it wasn't bad it was just wasn't very good because it just was it was just becoming ripe I'd be so sad I know it was a little bit of a letdown but they had other mangoes that were in season so we ate those yummy but a mango is a it's a tropical tree that has been in cultivation for anywhere between three and five thousand years I've heard a lot wow. of different a lot of different things okay and it's it's a, a species of tree that has been, um, I think there is in mango, mangifera, there's between, I think I found 30 to 40 different species. Wikipedia puts it all up to like 69 species. Are those all different species that you would still call mango? Yeah. It, it's kind of like how you have cherries that you can eat. Right. But then there's also like a hundred and a hundred some different species of oh. cherries that we just don't eat that are like, like little, little scrubby bitter things. things that, yeah, yeah. That birds go crazy for, but we really wouldn't eat them. I Gotcha. Yeah, this is the same thing where you have a lot of different mangoes that you can eat. Um, but mango, the common mango they call it, is Mangifera indica, and that is the one that has two hundred and some different varieties that we humans cultivate and eat. Wow! Versus the species that is um, actually just different um, species of things, just like you have the black pine, the white pine, the red pine. You know, different kinds of pines. You have different kinds of mangoes that have different different fruit. Some may be astringent, some are really big, some may have big pits, mm-hmm. you know, some just may not grow the way we want or where we want for whatever reason. Also like different leaves and yeah, exactly. limb bark. 
Yeah. Limbark. Limbark. I was trying to say, I was about to say limb structure, and I said, I thought, I cut myself <laughs> off. I said, no, that sounds dumb. That sounds like you're trying to be smart and you're not. Yeah, but you would have. Yeah. But what I was trying to say is like morphology, again, morphology. Yeah. They just look <laughs> different, I could have said. I really, you know what? You can you can just sound smart. Uh, but let's see. Okay, so down to what it looks like. Mango is actually kind of a big tree. It can be a shade tree, Alex. Like I, you usually expect mm. like fruit trees that you'd get and that would make, you know, edible things they generally are kind of small trees like apples and pears and yeah cherries. they're manageable size yeah right and i'm sure that in um where they plant these and where they grow them commercially they would keep them down because they're mostly you you would not find a grove of mangoes mm. other than in a plantation orchard where that's where they're growing oh okay because they also grow in the tropics and as we already noted tropical places generally will always have a hundred different species growing in one acre one hectare of land yeah and so then you'll never get or you generally won't get like one big grove of a bunch of um, the same species of tree. I see. So you're walking through, you find a mango tree. First thing you're going to say is, wow, this is a huge tree. It gets up to 100 feet tall. Wow. There are canopy trees out there in the tropics. They will grow all the way from Southeast Asia and South Asia down into the Malay Peninsula. And they grow as these big, huge, emergent canopy trees, 100 to 100 and some 60 feet tall. This is news to me. Isn't it wild? I would not have expected it, Alex. That's huge. That's That's fucking massive for what I thought they were. Yeah, right? And this is now our mango, the we're talking about today generally tops out about a hundred feet. Okay, this is still as much big. as it's going to get. Yeah, it's still pretty huge. It gets really nice, big, long, uh, big stem, main, main trunk. The bark is kind of like a light gray to a dark gray. It's not really broken up in sort of some fancy fashion. It's very much um, kind of a little warty, kind of a little normal. It's irregularly, ununiformly kind of split up. Hmm. So it doesn't really strike you as like, wow, that's really interesting bark. To me, I think this is, as we would say here, utility bark hell yeah man it does the job it just gets it done and that's, that's about great it. thanks for using that oh thank you for inventing it <laughs> uh, but the leaves are so beautiful this is one thing that really struck me um about this tree is that it has like really bright um bright yellow mid veins and like uh veins coming off hmm. but then not bright yellow but like a lime greenish yeah. kind of thing but then the leaves are really a dark dark green like wow. they are, they're super um shiny dark green with these really contrasting main veins going through yeah very con very contrasty uh very tropical looking, very houseplant looking. Isn't that exactly right? Isn't that funny how we would like see that and it's like, oh, that's totally tropical. Yeah. But the thing that of course is the the big thing about this is how these trees create this amazing fruit that you obviously love. Yes. Uh, my partner, Hannah, her favorite fruit, mango. Hell yeah, Hannah. It is, it's a, it's a, it's absolutely a delicious fruit. I've had it many, many times myself. Love it to death. It is a droop, which is off of a panicle. Wow. How do you oh. feel about those words? Okay. Well, I know droop yes okay droop as in uh oh uh cherries you got this are droops that's right uh see i always confuse droop and poem and i won't do uh, it today no alex today's the day you will stand you'll fight for your rights as a botanical expert yes with my limb bark and my droops so <laughs> limb bark is smooth baby droops we're talking cherry mango yeah uh one more a peach Peach, of course, yeah. a stone fruit. Or exactly, droops. essentially. Poems, which is what I usually confu- confuse droop with. Yeah, we're talking apple, pear. Yeah, persimmon. Not persimmon. Uh, yeah, I was saying things that aren't. I changed oh. halfway through. <laughs> okay, you, you know what? I'm going to say two things that are. Then I'm going to switch without saying and yeah. say a bunch of things that aren't. That's my pattern, Casey. Yeah, walnut, acorn, pine cone. <laughs> Those are not poems. Do you think there could be a pine poem? No, that doesn't make any sense. We, you know what? Science. Make it happen. Make it happen. We can if slam we, a bunch of genes together and see yeah. if we can create a pine poem. If we can get Stanley Kubrick to pretend to put someone on the moon, <laughs> we can surely make a pine poem. Wait a second, Alex. You can't just drop that in there. Did you just? Did you? Are you? Uh, are you telling us that you you believe a conspiracy theory? I'm that, a moon truther. Yeah, you're a moon truther. That Stanley Kubrick, in fact. Uh, faked the moon landing and not only that put a bunch of clues in mm. other movies <laughs> such as The Shining is that what you're telling us right clues. now clues I love the idea that he's like there's moon clues uh, in this movie not telling anybody's killing me I gotta put all these clues in yeah, The Shining I can't believe that man I do love that theory though <laughs> 
Anyway. Right. Well, uh, we're cutting back in. I just went on a huge rant about uh, <laughs> the conspiracy theory that Stanley Kubrick helped fake the moon landing. Casey, let's talk mango. The mango. So, of course, a panical Alex, uh, aside from a poem, pine poem. The, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> the mango is a droop. Like you said, you came up with some good examples, Alex. Yeah. So the um, a droop is essentially just a seed with a, uh, a seed inside, like a hard nut or hard um, stone, which is why they call it stone fruit, mm-hmm. um, a pit, and then a fleshy outer coating. Cherries are obviously the, the quintessential example that most people know about. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, if you are in the tropics, the most common poem you probably know about is a mango. Oh. And so mangoes are really cool in that they grow in these big, long panicles. They have like 3,000 flowers that come out in these big panicles, which uh, panicle is essentially a kind of um, inflorescence, which is a flower head that comes out and then branches, and then those branches branch again, and so on and so forth, until you get this big, long, triangle uh, kind of pyramid of a flower that's I coming out. I see. Yeah, and there's a lot of them, like a ridiculous amount. Pa- a panicle, the mango panicle, looks like a zoomed-in like uh, uh, virus molecule. Oh, yeah, kind of does. I it's, see that. It's got all these little arms with these little bobbles on the end. I also like the idea of you of, like, some secret um, secret society called the Mango Panicle. Oh, that's great. Have you guys read the Mango Panicle? <laughs> it just came out all over the internet. We're handing copies to people on, this, on the <laughs> yeah. street corner. Wearing like visors, glasses. Yeah, outside the middle school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys read the Mango Panicle? <laughs> I mean, do you remember those Jesus guys? Oh, were they outside middle schools? I, mean, I guess they were. they were outside my middle school. Yeah, yeah probably. Mm. Anyway, of course, the uh, the mangoes are delicious. Everyone eats them, and it is the uh, one of the most popular fruits in the world, period, in yeah. conversation. It's not the most popular. I couldn't find anything, anything that said that. I even found, like, essentially a pro-mango, like, organization called mango.org. Wow. And they, they're just all about it. And but they didn't do, um, they didn't, they couldn't quite say that it's, it's the most popular. They just said it's one of the most populars. I see. Um, and if, if for good reason. Like, they're really sweet. They're really delicious. But they have one thing that I um, was very curious, or very thought was quite interesting when I first learned about trees and this tree specifically and some of its buddies is that it is in the Anacardiaceae family. What in the world is that? One of the most fun family names you can ever say. Say it again. First off, Anacardiaceae. Anacardiaceae. Yes, named after the Anacardium, which is a species of tree. In fact, it's specifically a species of tree that we call the cashew, Alex. It's a family named after a species? Uh, No, actually, I guess it would be named after the... It would be a family named after the genus. Okay. But that actually doesn't... That's usually how it is. So, like, there's... Acer is the genus for maples, and so the family is Aceraceae, where it used to be. I think they actually changed that. Um, Pine, Pinaceae, right? Icaceae. That's the I understand family. Mm-hmm. ICACA. And so the, what the uh, the cashew family is uh, the Anacardiaceae. Anacardium is the uh, the genus for, for cashew. Okay. And what's famous about Anacardiaceae is its other members, other than these delicious fruit and nut trees. And I say nut because the cashew isn't technically a nut. It's another wackadoodle kind of thing. Right. But um, in that family is other trees like the smoke tree and the Chinese varnish or lacquer tree. Hmm. I'm sorry, the Japanese lacquer tree. And then poison oak. Poison, poison oak, you say? Ivy. Yes, and sumacs and those other mm. ne'er-do-wells of the world. Now, um, the reason that this family is so well-known, if you are, if you known uh, or do any sort of... Uh, botanical things is that it's not only a family that has like obviously the mango and a bunch of other different species of plant that we use every single day it also has these plants that are known to be like really virile agents when it touches our skin obviously the poison oaks and everything right but because they are either really edible uh, many of them or they have these weird effects on us they have been in like the uh the botanical medicine world for centuries and centuries. Mm-hmm. In fact, millions of years, or thousands of years, um, since we really started cultivating them and paying attention. 
So these trees have been used and discussed and brought up as um, a potential for almost a billion different things, Alex. And that is what we're going to have to talk about when we come back and we can get into a little bit more about how delicious these things are, but then how they have a streak, Alex, that can cause you quite a bit of pain. I I really thought you were just going to say, diarrhea oh no well i mean maybe if you eat enough of them probably <laughs> all right more about diarrhea after the break we'll be right back with more completely arbitrary welding instructor alex declare knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Casey, before we get into Poison Oak and Ivy and such, mm-hmm. I want to give a quick shout out to, uh, you know what? I'm going to give a pre, I'm, I'm, we've never done this before. This is huge. I'm excited. I'm going to give a pre-Golden Cone of Honor. What? Yes. <laughs> a preliminary. <laughs> I'm sorry. Golden Cone of Honor to the mango. So the first reason I'm, I'm surprised about this is that we've never done it before. Yeah. The second reason is that I thought we were giving I, Michelin Cones yes, of well, Honor. Yes, well, we have, yes. Well, <laughs> This is a separate rating system. I don't know what this is. Listen, it's a mess. Okay, okay it's tell a mess. Me, tell me why. Tell me what's going on. Uh, I am giving the mango an extra bonus point before we begin because of the color of the mango. Really? You're just skipping everything well, to hear about that. Well, I know. I just want to say that I love, I absolutely love the coloration of a mango fruit. Interesting. It varies. In these beautiful, perfect, natural gradients from this sort of kind of dark lime green Mm -hmm. to deep red orange uh, to sort of, you know, like a a yellow. And then you cut into this bad boy. Yeah. And it's just like this golden yellow. Uh, It is just an incredibly gorgeous piece of fruit, Casey. All right. I'm not going to disagree with you about that. I'm not even going to come close. And the and the texture. You can tell by looking at it that it's creamy. Yeah, you can. It's They're so good. I love the color. Uh, they give... You know what? I'll, I'll say this. Instead of a pre-cone or whatever, yeah. whatever shit, uh-huh. this mango gets the Croson stamp of approval. The Croson stamp of approval? Yeah. I actually have a stamp of approval that says Croson stamp of approval, and I'm going to stamp every mango I eat now. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. It gets the Croson stump of approval. The Croson stump of approval. I feel like that's when you take a mango, put it on a stump, and then like smash it with a hammer or yeah, something. Yeah, Gallagher style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you make me sick. <laughs> well. Anyway, Alex. All right. Thank you for indulging me. Any Croson day of the stump week. of approval. Ba-bum-ba-gunk. It's a new thing, and that's the theme song. <laughs> Thanks. Well. Whoa. Here's the thing, Alex. I get poison oak very badly. I've told you this before, right? Yeah, which confuses me because, like, doesn't everybody? <laughs> no, that's the thing. No, no. It, a, there's a gradient. So let me first let me let me let's back up. Okay. Anacardiaceae. It's this family, right? Yeah. And it's a family of trees. It has poison oak, poison ivy. So this family, it has these uh, all these plants, and these plants, uh, most of them, and there's a whole bunch. I think there's like some 680 plants in in this whole family. Wow. Um, or species rather. And each of them, uh, most of them, will to some degree or another produce this chemical in in their in their tree somewhere in their plant. Okay. And it's called urishrol, 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 urishrol. It's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> Say it one more time. <laughs> Dang it. Say it the real one. Urishrol. 
Is that your final answer? Eurishiol, yeah. Eurishiol. Yes. Okay. And I can already feel the emails coming <laughs> I in. I know, I know. What is it? Spiracetti? And I said, I, I just like pronouncing it that way. And everyone's like, I'm pretty sure it's like spirochete. Oh, <laughs> funny. Dang it. Allelopathy. I like not checking these things beforehand. I did check this one because I wanted to get it right. And I couldn't spell it correctly because I thought it ended with oil, but it's actually, the, the it's switched oh. anyway. One, one last time. Urishoil. Which is no, the, no, no, no. Urishiol. Which is the chemical found in poison oak and poison ivy and yes. the poisonous things. It is the thing that gets us, uh, that affects our skin. It's an itch agent. It is. And here's what it does. It has this uh, this long tail um, of alkalis, and it's this uh, this specific compound that is in an oil-based form, and because it's an oil-based form, it gets into your skin because mm. your skin will let oils kind of move through it. Right. So it absorbs into your skin, and then your skin basically is like, what is this thing? Mm. And then your uh, white blood cells are like, whoa, 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 invader, this is not of us. Yeah. I'm going to kill it. And then it triggers your skin to have this reaction to basically fight away. It's your immune response to having this invaded uh, oil in your skin, hmm. right? Sounds so, like a great episode of Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, where they like are, are morphed down into this uh, this thing and they have to like fight blood cells and Yeah, things? I was thinking like humans, you know, quote, humans yeah. on board, but they're really uh, like, you know, an invasive species. You know, I, you think Star Trek, I think the magic school bus. Oh, sure. Okay. I mean, yours is more accurate. Either way, we could probably make, make that happen. Yeah, somebody call Gene Roddenberry. Quick. <laughs> I think he might be dead. Oh, we'll try and get him anyway. It is a state. So, um, so this oil, this urethral, gets uh, into your skin, and it will cause me a huge amount of gruff. Yeah. Now, in the very beginning, let's say you've you're a a, a perfect skinned, pure thing. You've never walked into the woods. You've never been affected or even uh, near poison oak, poison ivy. An Alex. Yes, yes, an Alex, if you will. And you go out there, you start walking around, and you touch one of these leaves. Because yeah. uh, it's on poison oak and poison ivy and poison sumac. Um, poison sumac's the worst. Man, I got the worst story about that. Oh, God. Another time. Another time. Anyway, um, they if it just touches you, any part of the plant, then this oil will get onto your skin. If you don't wash it off within a couple hours, your skin reacts. Hmm. Now, that's generally what will happen if you have already been exposed to it a couple times. The first time, your immune response is almost nothing, and you, just oh. don't, you don't even need to worry about it. The hmm. second time, your body's like, oh, hold on a second. I don't recognize this thing. I've seen you before. You're not welcome. Get out of here. And you get a little rash. The next time, you get like these yellow blisters that are boiling over for two oh, weeks and you're just wow. like i can't not scratch my arm and like you just go insane because it's it's an itch where as soon as you itch it you're just like oh that's the most delightful thing i've ever ever satisfied <laughs> and then you stop and you're like okay i'm feeling good and then your arm your that little dot on your arm or wherever is uh -huh. just like i'm still here i'm still here i'm still here until it's screaming at you to itch again then you rub it and you're just like oh my god this Ooh. feels so good makes me itchy to oh, just be talking about it's it's the worst i'm literally itching myself while i'm talking about it yeah and so it it's an unsatiable feeling you cannot beat it and if you breathe it in like let's say you burn a forest of it uh -huh. and then you breathe in that smoke you can actually get it a inside your lungs fuck that b you can get a systemic infection where actually your entire body breaks out in like a really low level am itchy everywhere kind of thing wow it is one of the most awful things i've ever experienced i have never breathed it in but i've got it all over my body because i touched poison sumac in massachusetts when i didn't know what it was wow and i just got it all over my left hand didn't wash my hand and just got it literally over every spot in my entire body casey that it was awful terrible it, it covered your whole body yeah wherever i touched my left hand oh, for like casey. the next two days so i didn't even know what i had touched i didn't know what i had like where what clothes it was on anything like that so the rash is your body's response to the oil to try to get rid of it yes correct because okay. it's basically a, a foreign agent inside of your body okay in the way that a fever is your body's response to killing an infection yes so it's like a side effect of your immune system not the infection itself Pre exactly okay. yeah and it's completely non-fatal every now and then i've read a couple things where like if you really get a super big infection sure. it could like cause a 
like maybe a cardiac arrest or something like that. But Jesus. I mean, I have no idea how that would happen. I, apparently it does, but then who knows if it was a person's body or what it was. It's so awful. Generally speaking, though, it's non-fatal. It's just the most extreme itch you've ever had in your life. Yeah. And then it goes away after a little while. Usually within two weeks, it's it's pretty much gone. And initially, people were like, this is actually a pretty cool plant. And they started planting it all over the place. Like, they would send it over to Europe and, like, have it in gardens. And mm. people would be stoked about it. And they were like, like I was saying earlier, they would say, wow, this thing has a really big effect on my skin. So we should study this and see if we can somehow co-opt it to be a, a positive thing, you know? Like, taking a little tiny bit of a really intense drug might help you because it has this effect on your body. Right. You know what I mean? So they started doing this research on it, and um, historically, whenever you were a um, a medicinal person, you were by definition a plant botanical person mm. because all of our medicine came from plants. We hadn't right. really invented chemistry at that point. Right. So we started to try to like you know use it and figure it out, like boil it into poultices and salves and things like this, and like you take a little bit of this tea, you know, with this plant in it, and but then people just kept getting like way wicked itchy rashes all over their body and then the rash would go away then whatever they had would also have probably gone away then like yeah it it it, sell, it 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 saved you and you're like well did it or did the other thing just go away while i had this obscenely itchy ash all rash all over me wow it's the worst alex is what i'm saying so i i have a i have a quick question about the uh the plant itself yeah well which one poison oak okay I've seen poison oak in the mm. woods. I was told by a friend, hey, don't touch that. It's poison oak. Yeah. Good friend. And it's like red. Yes. Uh, why, but also kind of green. Mm-hmm. What's, what's up with the coloration of the... I don't understand. I, I guess, uh, why is it like that color? Yeah, and, sure. Uh, you know, uh, speak on that. Yeah, all right, sure. So it comes out early. The laziest of, interviewing ever. So essentially, uh, they would they would start red because they haven't their their leaves just kind of unfurl, and a lot of leaves do this where then they're first coming out. They haven't built up and put all of their chlorophyll out to wherever they go. I see. Um, and so they end up just coming out kind of really red and rouge, and then over time become a lot more green as they fully fill up them and develop all their chlorophyll. In oh, their it's a pre-chlorophyll sort of situation. Yes. Okay. And then. Um, um, they also, when they uh, um, go dormant for the season, those leaves would turn a bright, bright red as well as they take all their chlorophyll and break that down, and then the leaves drop. I got most you. of them are deciduous. So, Casey, the big question here yeah. that I think every, that's on everyone's mind, mm-hmm. is the mango poisonous? The mango is poisonous. Wow. Only in the skin. <gasps> no kidding. No kidding. So most people are not going to get an allergic reaction to the mango if they just like are eating the mango. Right, the flesh. Yes, but many people have got allergic reactions on their lips specifically. Hannah being one of these people while sitting in the back of a truck eating just mango after mango after mango <laughs> and biting it and like, you know, sort of scraping it off the skin. Yeah, that's the way to do it. That is when you will get, if you if you are predisposed uh, to getting this, so like uh-huh. if you've never touched it, your body doesn't really know, doesn't really care. You actually, it's the ironic thing of everything else, like you get, um, you get uh, exposed to it. Then the more you're exposed to it, the less. Right now, your body's better prepared for it each it's time. It's backwards with the exactly. The more you're exposed to it, the more likely you are to get it. That's wild, man. So if I went down there and just started scraping mangoes off the off the the skin of a mango, uh-huh. the, the flesh of the mango, then I would probably break out all over my face and just be wow. like completely unhappy for the rest of that trip. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's awful. Yeah, it, it's amazing, and that's that is the the plant does this alex um they think as a uh a, a means of bacterial and insect kind of um fighting it off what am i thinking defense it's a little insecticide exactly i i have another stump of approval to give out no oh, you're kidding me i love this <laughs> it's a new gimmick who doesn't I, love a new gimmick uh, hey not, i can't think of literally a single person um my new stump of approval is for plants that have natural insecticide ah good the eucalyptus meme. yep uh is one of them right mm-hmm uh, and many others, yeah, of course. I, I know, and et cetera. Yeah. I love that shit. That's yeah. so smart. I think it's just super cool. It makes everything feel like like the plants, like oh, they're fighting back. You know, you're going to yeah. love it. 
Um, but it does, uh, yeah. So it basically makes it so that you would have um, more of a protection against some plant or some insect eating into the flesh of your fruit. Right. Because that is actually for other things to eat, like the large animals, so they can go poop them out somewhere else and then uh, end up getting more mangoes. But Casey. Yes. Is not the seed of a mango mm-hmm. too large for an ant? Most animals that would be eating a mango to digest and yes. poop out somewhere else. That is probably very accurate. I can't think of very many things. The things I can think of are long, long gone. Like an alligator. No, 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 no. Like, yeah. We I think I have, meant to say dinosaur. We still have alligators. Hold on. No, Alex. I can explain myself. <laughs> I think I meant to say dinosaur. But then I thought of an alligator-looking thing, and what came out of my mouth was, <laughs> Alligator. like, alligators. The answer is yes. Longnecks. Yes. Brontosaur. Um, not not quite that far back. Okay, well. Um, but I think maybe. I mean, I was reading that they had been, um, they were, they, there's fossils from way before, maybe a couple million years before dinosaurs hmm. went extinct. So then certainly, you know, before that they were around. Okay. So it's possible. But then there's also later things that would have developed mammals like, um, but this specific plant is from, um, and most of the diversity is from Southeast Asia and South Asia. So there are larger animals there. There's elephants that are there that can eat it. There's um, giraffes in certain areas, but I guess if you go down into Africa more than anything. Um, but then there's also uh, like larger yak kind of, you know, um, you know, forest dwellers like that. There's rhinoceroses, that kind of thing. Okay. So it's very possible that they were getting eaten by these really big, big animals that, can st- that are, in fact, still around. I see. But then um, they... We probably made them into bigger forms, just like we do with the apple, where you want to breed the biggest, sweetest ones, and so you can get bigger, 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 better, better, better all the time. Okay. So it's very possible, and I couldn't find very much information on other species. It turns out the internet's quite obscenely devoted to this one mango. But there are other, I found some some articles um, talking about other smaller species that are just lesser known, like the other 20 to 30, uh, 30 to 40 species. Uh-huh. Um, and those honestly probably have much more small fruit that are more fixed for birds or monkeys um, or other kind of apes or or creatures, maybe bats that are looking to get some fruit and things like that. Okay. So um, there's also some that are a little more stringent that are just not quite as good, you know, like we were saying with cherries, where sometimes they're just cherries that are, you know, botanically speaking, those are cherries, but they had not been evolved for people to eat. I understand. If these were ever, you know, you would think they were, you know, if we could take them down and move them around and then throw that seed somewhere, then that seed grows, that plant is still thinking, yes, this is a good investment. Yeah, I would think ultimately the the goal of a fruit tree would be, and the whole reason that you make fruit delicious is mm-hmm. so that things will eat it, Yeah, right? exactly, yeah. Uh, so why a seed that is so large and in charge? Yeah. Um, well, in this case, it might be also that the tree uh, just wants to make sure it can get a good canopy space. So if you have a big seed, oh. you got a lot of fruit or a lot of food in there for the, the little seedling to grow on so it can push its way up higher into the understory wow. so that that tree can then have a better start on life. Because, as we know, a fruit, like an acorn, mm-hmm. is a packed lunch It is, the, for seed. the seed. Yes. Well, the, the, no, no, no. The seed is the packed lunch for, oh. for the little, the little seedling inside the fruit, which is the packed lunch for the rhinoceros. I see. You know, I, th- I thought I was tying a nice little bow. You were. You, you were. You just had, you, you had tied the bows from the inside to the outside at the same time when really there's actually a little bow on the inside than a little bigger bow on the outside. <laughs> and like the left side of the bow is a lot longer than the, <laughs> yeah, the right exactly. side. So it's one of those things you just pat, pat you on the head and you're yeah. like, yes, that looks so good. He's learning to tie. <laughs> Well, that is that is it. And the mango, it doesn't. We're people, humans, and some other apes are the only uh, primates are the only things that are affected by poison oak, poison oak, poison ivy, urethral. Wow, no kidding! Isn't that ridiculous? That no is insects, ridiculous. Snakes, other mammals, squirrels, deer, nothing. Just us, huh? Just us. Cats, dogs, they don't care. It's just us, our our little unhairy selves. Oh wow, cats and dogs. Can I? Okay, I had. I oh, here's a quick question before we get into our review of the mango. Right. A dog is running through the woods. Rubs up against some poison oak, yep. comes up to you, you pet the dog. Yeah. Do you now have poison oak on your hand? Yes. Okay, great. It's the worst. Thank you. Casey, before we get into our review of the Mangafera Indica. That's the one. We have something very special. Yes, we do. From a friend of the pod. 
This is the most exciting thing that we're doing. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I totally agree with you, Casey. I'm glad you said that because I agree fully. Um, For most of these episodes, we will have a chef of some kind make a recipe, a dish uh, uh, revolving around the uh, tree in question. Mm -hmm. Today, we're talking mango. We have Daphne K. Jenkins, friend of the pod, uh, who lives in Portland but is originally from Hawaii. She made chichi, dango, and mango mochi. I love that name, by Casey, the way. do those words mean anything to you? They mean nothing to me. I think the mochi is as most as I can say. Yes, mochi is like a chewy, yummy, gummy... Like a rice dessert? It's made out of, yeah, it's made out of rice flour. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible, and I've bought mochi from Daphne before. Lovely human being. Uh, nutritionist makes amazing mochi and we asked Daphne to give us a few words about this mango mochi and this is what she had to say hi Casey and Alex and hi completely arbitrary podcast listeners it's Daphne Ka'uahi'ilani Jenkins here and I want to share with you the history of my love for chichidango mochi I grew up on Oahu in Hawaii, and my grandparents and I would hang out a lot when I was little. I guess I was over there um, being watched by them, but it really just felt like hanging out with my two favorite people. And we would go oftentimes to a mall, an indoor-outdoor mall called Ala Moana Center. We would go so Grandma and Grandpa could run errands, and also so that I could walk around, get out of the house, and... Um, It was a pretty big mall for a little kid. One of my favorite stores was Shirokia Department Store, a Japanese department store in Ala Moana Center. And in this department store, there was a food stall floor. I feel like it was the second or third floor of the department store, but it always had this amazing smell of delicious cooked things and desserts. And every time we went to Ala Moana, well, maybe not every time, but it seemed like it, I would pick up a plastic clamshell of chichidango mochi that was made by Nishodo Mochiya, a company that made this awesome Japanese confection. And so it was little slices, a rectangular prism-shaped chichidango mochi made of sweet rice flour. So a rice cake sort of dessert but it has this gummy texture to it. And inside of this plastic clamshell were wax paper wrapped chichidango. Usually the colors that I would choose would be white or pink or a combination of white and pink. So I'd take these chichidango mochi and I'd eat them uh, in the back of my grandparents' Volkswagen van And usually by the time we got back home to my grandparents' house, uh, most of the clamshell was gone. Um, I just loved the chewy, supple, milky, sweet flavor and textures of chichidango mochi. So I wanted to use that texture and that sweetness and combine it with the featured mango today. Um for the podcast and that's the recipe that you all will be enjoying for a two-toned color i added some matcha powder to one of the layers and so we have like a green and golden orange contrast to each of these rectangularly cut or however you decide to cut them slices so that's a little bit about my chichidango history growing up in hawaii very influenced by Japanese culinary um, textures and flavors. And then also, I was a lucky girl. Um, Mangoes flourish in Hawaii. I actually have a mango tree in my parents' house, in the backyard, not in the house, uh, that was planted around the time of my birth. So the mango tree and I are uh, the same age. And then at my grandparents' house, they also had a mango tree that I just remember really being with me throughout my childhood. Um, The type of mangoes on my grandparents' tree were called Hayden mangoes. 
oh my gosh, so delicious, so firm and with a little tartness, I believe. Um, and then I think the ones in my parents' backyard were a hybrid of Piri and Hayden, or maybe there were Piri mangoes. I can't remember, but there are so many different varieties of mangoes that I believe originated in India, but made their way to other tropical locations. And thank gosh, because they're delicious. So I hope you enjoy my recipe, which combines mango with chichidango mochi. Mahalo. That was so good. Casey, Daphne's the coolest human. Yeah, I, that just makes my day. Uh, so there you have it. That's, the, that's, the, uh, that's kind of the backstory of this recipe. And so uh, one thing that I did um, notice, so she said she thinks it was a Hayden mango, yeah, uh, which is flavor sweet and sour with a slight bitter aftertaste of tropical fruit. Yum. Fruiting of the Hayden mango in 1910 inspired the creation of a large-scale mango industry in South Florida. Uh, the industry has since become uh, greatly reduced by the impact of development in hurricanes, so it doesn't grow as well there. But obviously, you still have some trees that are growing quite well in uh, the tropics, specifically Hawaii. So if you want to make this mochi at home, we have the recipe on our website under this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Daphne, in a very considerate and cool move, uh switched up her recipe to include items that are more commonly found. Oh, that's so wonderful. Uh, so thank you, Daphne, so much. Thank you so much. It was I'm so excited. And you can follow Daphne on Instagram to see all of her amazing treats and foods and things. And eat them. I've had her mochi before. It's so good. Yeah, amazing. Daphne underscore K underscore Jenkins. It's all phonetic. Casey, it's time for our review of the mango tree. All right. Mangophora indica. We're going to give our final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 Michelin cones of honor. <laughs> Let's do it. Is that what it was? Golden Michelin cones of honor. Golden Michelin, Michelin cones of honor. Yeah, for uh, for copyright reasons. Right. Michelin is spelled M-I-S-H-I-L-N. <laughs> yeah. So they can't come after us. I'm sure they're yeah really litigious. Yeah, they're they're waiting for us. Uh, Casey is our resident expert. We will begin with you. All right. So here's the thing. Here is the thing, Alex. Whoa. I also have to say I love the color of the mango tree, and mm-hmm. um, I also love that their seeds are called uh, recalcitrant. Have you ever ter- have you you know the term? No. It means having an obstinately uncooperative attitude towards authority or discipline. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and what These the, seeds don't give a fuck. No, they don't. They, they, they're just like, <laughs> The seeds, uh, they're called recalcitrant, recalcitrant um, because you can't store them. They, if you get rid of too much water or if you uh, freeze them, then uh-huh. they die. They can't oh. survive. There you go. So mangoes are are what we get. So we you can't save them in like big seed banks and things like that. Wow. And I I just love the the fact that there's a term for that. It's it's recalcitrant versus orthodox. Okay. <laughs> I just wow. Whoever came up with those That's terms, amazing. I just love it. Like there's oh this is an orthodox mango seed. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not a mango. It would be some other different kind of seed. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the fact that the seed is uh, obstinately uncooperative <laughs> in terms of its attitude uh-huh. kind of makes me dig it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's great. I do like mangoes. I think they are very tasty, um, especially not dried. I like the the fresh ones. I think they're very good. Um, However, I don't like poison oak. I don't like it to such a degree that it causes me to not go on hikes in places. It causes me to never want to touch the skin of a mango and walk to like just walk in places that I even consider there possibly being poison oak or Mm. poison ivy, which I should say. Out west, we have poison oak. As you go east of the Rockies, that's when you get poison ivy. They're different, different species, species of okay. toxicodendron. Just to be clear, I, I should have said that. Okay. Um, but it really doesn't matter. They all do the same thing. However, Alex, I do think this tree is nice. I think it's a nice tree. I like that it grows really big, and I like that it feeds a lot of people, and that everyone really likes it. So I think this tree, even though it has a bad streak, it's 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 wrapped in something that's awful, but inside it's got a obstinately uncooperative attitude. And I think that's worth 6.5 golden, golden Michelin cones of honor 
for this tree. Six point five. I know. I hope that doesn't. I hope that's not going to ruin anything. That is extremely low. It's extremely low. I know. I'm, I'm thinking. No, about I think it. you should I stick just, with. I mean, right, like, so I'm not trying to. I'm not trying. But I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm get like, so much shade for this. Wow, that is so low for the mango. It's a cool tree. I there's something in my heart that is just. I I really the fact that it even could remotely cause me a urethral rash. Sure, makes me want to keep my distance yeah, with yeah, a six yeah. foot pole. Okay. Number two, it also is a thing I've had lots of times. It's great. It's fine. I, I have never been like jumping out of my skin for a mango. Okay. I hope that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. I'm gonna regret saying this. I know I am. I no, know no, no. I'm it's... gonna get so much mail. It's I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get from me. Yeah. Berated from yeah you and Hannah, everyone. So, you know what? It's okay. It's it's okay. I don't know if I have the power to fire you from Arbitrary Media LLC. <laughs> what? But I'm gonna look into it. Why would you even want that power, <laughs> Alex? I'm All right, offended. Casey. Six point five golden Michelin cones of honor. We're gonna have to tighten that up. Yeah, I like golden Michelin cones of honor. It's fine. <laughs> uh, for the mango, for the mango flora. Indica. You are almost very close. Manga flora. Manga flora. Manga fera. Manga fera. Yeah. All right. What do you got? Here's what I think about the mango. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Thank you for giving me this soapbox. You're welcome. I'm gonna turn my microphone off. Mango, I think, is one of the most delectable fruits that we have the great pleasure of eating. Really? God bless the mango tree. I am so grateful that I live in a time that mangoes exist. That there are several different species, including uh, <laughs> yeah. varieties. Although I probably only ever eat two species. Kent, uh, species Kiet, of- Hayden, Francis, Hey, honey. is this... Can you shut the fuck up for Sorry. a second so I can get my review? <laughs> anyway, turn my microphone back off. <laughs> it never went off. <laughs> How do you know? I... Uh, I think the fact that it causes it causes a little bit of shit is kind of is kind of great. Really? I think I think it's uh, here's here's I think there's a metaphor here, Casey. Okay. The mango tree is obstinate mm-hmm. and kind of anti and anti authority. Um, I think that's a great metaphor for you know live your life. You can't store these and eat them later. Mm-hmm. Eat mm-hmm. them now. Enjoy them now. Be in the moment. Enjoy oh, these see. delicious fruits. I gotcha. They're the flesh of a mango is when you get a good mango, mm-hmm. it to me it is more satisfying than a good, you know, pick of any other fruit. I think a, a good mango is a top tier fruit. It's an S plus. Okay. Casey, mm-hmm. I would be I would just be betraying myself and my morals and my values and my taste buds if I didn't give the mango tree. 10 Michelin golden what? cones of honor. Alex, you are kidding I me. I must. You're giving this you're giving the mango a 10. That's I incredible. Must. It's an incredible fruit. It's I an incredible am tree. Flabbergasted. The tree is gorgeous. Don't it let's not even Yeah, forget about the fruit for a sec. The tree itself is a beautiful tropical tree. I'm going to meet a mango tree right now. I'm going to this meet a mango tree and I'm going to watch this whole video. <laughs> and it's a canopy dweller. It's a top, I mean, it's, it's the, it's, you know, it's up there among the top ranks. It's top tier. Okay. It's All top right. tier. And it's got one of the most delicious fruits that mankind knows. I, I would, I would be, I would be full of shit if I didn't give it a 10. Okay. I, that's, this is, this is such a turnaround from the end of last season. Yeah. What did you give the, uh, oh, like a 1.9 for the green ash? Yeah. That was low. Yeah. It was real low. Some and now you're upset about <laughs> Well, people are going to be upset probably that I gave it 6.5. I don't care. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, there you have it. 10, ten out of 10. Michelin golden. No. Golden, golden Michelin, Michelin cones. Of honor. Of honor. Stunning. We're going to workshop that and maybe something new next week. <laughs> hey, I I think that's fair, but my goodness, this is, this is, I, maybe I just have not tried the, a mango to the extent that everyone else has. Maybe I'm. Maybe I just don't know what I'm missing right here. Yeah. Well. Huh. There you have it. Okay. Wow. Casey, it's time for a new segment. We are calling this one mm-hmm. Trail Snacks. Um, um, um. Uh, misophonia warning. I would say a light misophonia warning. Okay. Yeah. Not like not like hardcore misophonia. We're not going to chew on Mike. We are, however, going to taste test some. Tree-based treats. 
That's right. This is why it's called a trail snack because it's a it's not a snack that you'd have on the trail. Right. It's a snack that you would get whilst on the trail. Then you look off to the side and you say, "Oh, there's a snack. I'm going to eat that." It's a trail snack. That's right, Casey. Mm-hmm. This is a eucalyptus hard candy from the Rosella Company. So, Casey, off mic, you and I are going to take a little suckle of these candies. I wish you told me off mic before I put it in my mouth and kept talking. Oh, that's okay. As long as we're not chewing and smacking our lips like I just did. Okay. Okay. Well, I have some thoughts. All right. I also have some thoughts. I hate this. What? I like it. It's almost like I'm putting Burt's Bees in my mouth. Yes. That's exactly why I don't like it. It tastes like Vicks Vapor Rub. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't think it's quite that bad, but... It's... What is that? Menthol? It feels menthol-y, doesn't it? It's very menthol-y. Yeah. I I like that. I like like the menthol-iness, too. It tastes like medicine. Yeah, really? But come on. Are you... you you one of those kids who like, you know, like, yeah, give me some of that Dimetap. That's delicious. No, no, of course not. Really? Okay. Like, I don't, I it, it tasted good because it tasted good because they like made it cherry flavored. And whenever I'd get sick, I'd be like, well, this, if this is the worst I have to deal with, that's fine. Oh, no, I couldn't, I couldn't oh, abide by any I see. All right. uh, medications as a child. Let me, yeah, let me give this another like this. suck. I have to say, I actually prefer it because I think that as a trail snack, this would be really refreshing as I'm just like cruising through the woods. You that's know? a good point, Casey. You know? That really feels like it would be a nice thing. I think if you were in the woods and you had the fresh, cool, cool air, it, mm-hmm. you know, going through your lungs, this might enhance the menthol yes. kind of uh, characteristic. Now, if I found a mango tree as I was walking by the woods and I just popped a mango off and cut that up, do you think that would be a better thing or worse than this? A thousand percent better. One thousand percent better. That's a high percentage. They're not even on the same scale. <laughs> one is one is the sun. The other is a Pluto. Yeah, I will not be finishing this this uh, this menthol hard candy. But it's our segment, Alex. This eucalyptus. Oh, finishing it as part of the segment? Yeah. All right. This is going to be a 35-minute long segment because this is a law. This is a big candy. Buckle up, people. Buckle up. Anyway. When you start chewing it, it gets even more menthol-y. Well, why would, isn't this going to break your teeth? No. Well, there you go. Well, everyone, if you want to get your snack... Send us a send us a snack, and we might focus or we might feature it on the show as yeah. a trail snack. Hey, that's fun. Keep it in the wrapper, though. Send it to, uh, should I give my address on air? Yeah, Alex, you're crazy. Send us an email, and maybe. And we'll, yeah. <laughs> if you have a tree-based snack that you'd like us to eat on the air. Tell um, us where we can buy it. T- either tell us where we can buy it, or or send us an email, and I'll give you my home address. That's at arbitrary, completely arbitrary, arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's yes. spelled A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. Well done. At gmail.com. Casey, that was trail snacks. Honestly, uh, it's delicious. You know what? I I have I have had those sitting on my desk for like two months probably. Yeah. And keep thinking, oh, we need to use these. We need to use these on the pod. We finally have a whole segment based around the fact that we needed to use these. And you hated it. And I really disliked it. And I'm I'm upset. I didn't know what I thought it would taste like. But I didn't think it would taste like that. Uh, well, I really like it. I feel nauseous. Oh, I'm sorry. I think that the um, I, I had someone gave us a, um, a bunch of uh, maple hard candy snacks. Yeah. I just finished those like <gasps> last week. Wow. If I had thought about it, I would have brought that because that, that would have wet your whistle, Alex. It sure would have. Those were delicious. Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. This week, our question was sent to us from Mary Ellen Hawkins. Mary writes, I was out on a walk the other day through Grover Archibald Park in D.C. Oh, Grover Archibald. I think that stands for Detective Comics. What? And I saw something I'd never seen before. It looked like a big tree had halfway, quote, absorbed or grown over a smaller tree of a different species. Mm. I know trees have no problem growing over rocks or other immobile obstacles, but can they grow over other trees? Is there fiercer tree competition out there than I was aware of? Attaching a picture for your reference. Love the podcast. Your fungal associate, Mary Ellen. Thank you, Mary Ellen. Oh, Casey. Mary Ellen. This is a great question. The photo sent really looks like a tree is trying to eat another tree. It does, right? Uh, we'll post this on the Instagram so you can go take a gander for this uh at this picture on today's post for this episode. Yeah. And you know what I like about this is that it is true. Like it does look like exactly one tree has, has been eaten. Yeah. So what do you reckon? 
case. I love it. I just I'm, I just think it looks so cool. I'm never going to get that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> it's there forever now. Okay, so uh, what's going on in this photo is um, essentially there's a big tree, and then right next to it, there is a little tree, is a little tree that's growing. Um, but then, as we all know, trees get bigger one year at a time. They expand out by putting a new ring of wood along that outer section of their stem. So they essentially grow a new cylinder outside their existing cylinder, and they do that repeatedly over their uh, their lifetime, once a year, generally speaking. Yeah. So what happened here is that there was a big tree, and then right next to this big tree, a little sapling started growing up. I don't know what the big tree is. Um, it looks like it could be a it could be a a carrier, which is a hickory, or it could be another kind of like maybe pine or a, a hemlock, perhaps. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big brown yeah. conifer looking. It, yeah, it looks conifer, but judging from that forest and it being in D.C., it's probably not. They just have very oh. few. Okay. Um, but it does. That was my first thought. However, the little seedling that's growing there, that looks like a sapling. It's more like a, a small tree at this point. That looks like a beech tree. Like has really smooth gray bark, um, and they generally will grow in that same way where they, um, they are understory secondary succession trees so they will grow up under the uh the overstory of another bunch of trees in a forest and they'll slowly take over um as the later successional tree you can of course see the lenticels on the on the smaller tree yes which they they have a little as they as they are young but those kind of end up going away a little bit hmm um, so, um, what's happening here is you had a little tree that was growing next to a bigger tree. The bigger tree is still growing faster than the little tree, okay. but the trees are immovable. So for the, once they're growing, the little tree is right next to the big tree. That's the only possible place it's going to grow. It can't move over and get out from the, the path of this expanding, very slow lava of the stem of the bigger tree. It's yeah. going to expand out every single year. Um, but the bigger tree cannot expand through and just push it out of the way. So what's happening is that you have this little tree that's stationary. It's stable. It's not going anywhere. So the other tree has to grow around it in the same way that the tree would grow around a rock. If there was a big um, boulder right there, the tree would bump into it, and then it couldn't push the boulder out of the way if the boulder was big enough or if it was just you know an extension of the ground rock, you know the bedrock sticking out. Mm-hmm. It couldn't move it, so it would essentially just start to grow around it and kind of fold over and underneath and around it from the side. Yeah. So that's what's actually going on here is that slowly but surely the bark is expanding and the tree is expanding around the existing, it doesn't matter what it is, that existing thing that is immovable. So it could that could be a piece of rebar in the ground that the tree just can't push out of the way. I see. But it'll just close around it slowly but surely. Wow. And then there's going to be a little bit of uh, bark that's going to be pushing on either sides once it closes up. And then once that bark starts pushing on itself, it could potentially... Um, connect and then regraft itself together and then the tree would be one cohesive unit again it's possible it, it doesn't always happen a lot of times you just have this seam that continually rolls out on itself it's like the blob exactly it's exactly what it is i, I do feel i feel my sympathy goes to this little beech tree yeah because they couldn't help where it was growing. It didn't have a chance. It's just natural selection. It just, yeah. It just, the poor thing happened to be right next to this bigger tree. Yeah, and exactly. Well, so you know what that little tree is banking on, though? What? Is that that big tree is going to die soon. Oh. Because if that big tree dies soon, then as soon as it's dead, that beech tree can just take up all that canopy space. And then once there's just dead, rotting wood at the bottom there, that beech will then have the power to expand oh, out. sure. And kind of crush this old stump over the next several years. Succession. Yeah. Yes. However, eh, probably not. My bet is... It doesn't look like a fair fight. Yeah, the big tree looks like it's well on its way to completely taking over the the little tree. I will say, though, in this photo, at the very base of the tree, what do you see, Case? I see a little root coming out, a little buttressing root. Oh, well, yes, but what else do you see? Another plant. Ivy. Ivy. Yeah, I do. Which could be a bad sign for the big tree, no? Uh, It could be, but the thing is, the... um, the ivy there, so ivy over here on the west can take over trees. Ivy on the east just is not a big problem. Oh, okay. It really just, it gets too cold over there and it's not quite as, um, honestly, I don't really know what the biggest difference is. We have a very um, m- uh, 
marine climate where we just get it doesn't get too hot it doesn't get too cold and mm-hmm. generally we have a really moist uh winter time yeah the, this year this year was an exception, exception. And, and so will next year be yeah, and the, the next, year after yeah. and the year after what fun but in this case uh ivy over there just is not a big problem it just really doesn't cause too much I damage see. so okay, o- well, over time might have a little something to do with it but maybe not i was wrong yeah you know what else? Uh, just before we go, Alex, I do want to note to the end of uh, Mary Ellen's question is uh, she says, is there a fiercer tree competition out there than I was aware of? I would say you could also go listen to the Strangler Fig episode because that is way fiercer than this. Yeah. Like, this is happenstance. One tree is like, well, I'm still going to grow, little guy. Right. Whereas the Strangler Fig, as a little guy, slowly crawls down the big guy saying, I'm going to kill you. This is kind of like, uh, you know, like uh, involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. Strangler Fig is like <laughs> fucking murder. Yeah, that's a serial killer. Thanks for that analogy, Alex. You're right. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Mary Ellen, for your question. If you have a question for Casey about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y-Pod at gmail.com. Or follow us on Instagram and or follow us on Instagram True. at arbitrarypod. You can also join the Patreon and support this little podcast. You can join the Arboretum for two bonus episodes a month or the mm-hmm. Cone of the Month Club and get a unique cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist every month in your mail with a little ID card. That's exactly right. We have so many good ones coming down the line. Oh, boy, we just do put we. in a big order. Yes. This is very exciting. We have some uh, favorite artists coming mm-hmm. back for yep. s- another for more cones. Um, let me just say, please, the rest of this year is great. Yes. For the Cone of the Month Club. Next year is fucking awesome. Off the chain we're a little ahead we're <laughs> I, a little ahead. I, I had a little fun with getting <laughs> artists to do this uh yeah it, it's it's gonna be a good year to join the cone of the month club uh as is any case as is any and casey you. to you i say congratulations on another episode of completely arbitrary well, and to you as well i'm excited to be back in the season this is now the second episode it's very exciting yes we're so, back in the saddle partner back in the saddle well yippee ki yay Y'all come back now, you hear? See you next week. Bye. Later. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 